You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Tell me you love me. I need a good laugh. I'm holy water. You need a good bath. Whiskey and perfume. You had a nightcap. Now how about that? I've got a new friend. A perfect stranger. He's got a bullet with your name in the chamber. I'm body organ. Rearranger. You feel my danger. Show with Jay Dubs and Rocky. And Nora. We're broadcasting live from the Podcast Detroit Studios in Rock in Royal Oak, Michigan. Be sure to find us at podcastdetroit.com. What time is it? It's Nooner Time. Somebody bring me a mirror. It's hump day. Happy hump day. Happy hump day. <laughs> hump day. Okay, so that's Terry's favorite. Yeah, yeah oh, that's his favorite yeah. commercial. Yeah. He yeah. loves that commercial. Funny, Julie, who was here last week, sent it to me. Yeah, <laughs> she did. That is so funny. See? Hi, Julie. Hi, Julie. So we've had a, quite the productive couple <laughs> weeks here at the Nooner Show. Oh, I know. Yeah. Busy, 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 yeah. busy, busy. I know. We're so busy. I know. Uh-huh. Jackie, get off your phone while you're on the Nooner oh, Show. Oh, look who's talking. <laughs> I'm texting our guest. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you didn't communicate ahead of time like you should have. Is that what you're saying? No. Mm. Um, so we had our podcast networking event last week yes which was too much you two had too much fun i should say i had a i had a reasonable you amount of fun okay that. lady you're you're boring i had a reasonable amount of fun okay she kept bringing me drinks you know that last one you gave me i sat on the table i was like if i i would have thrown up if i, I have drank that last one you know oh what my is God. so pathetic yeah, free wine yes, yes. <laughs> yeah we didn't even eat the food right. we just drank. as much as this one drinks you would think she'd be able to hold her alcohol, but nope. it is sad. I'm like, honestly, like, I don't drink, you know, but ev- like never, you yeah. know what I mean? But I had a mimosa when I was in New York and I was hammered. I was so drunk off this one mimosa, but I never drink. She has two glasses of wine and she's like, like shitty. I'm like, what the heck is going on? No, she had, she, it was three. Okay. Oh, oh my gosh. Three. Was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's like that was woman. And then she and then she kept giving event. it to me so I could. And my stupid, oh my goodness! Instead of just like pouring it out, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm you like, oh, okay, it. I was drinking yeah. it. And you oh were just, my god! All I, I remember so with you up. is you, you were just sitting in the corner laughing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know what you were laughing Look, about. So I, but it was so, nonstop. So I got laughing. up. Just everybody left. So I get up. Yeah, I and I walked out and sat outside, waiting for them to walk through the door. Did I come back? 
back in and Jackie's still talking. Still and she's like, <laughs> do you know who that is? Like, you know who it is, Jackie. <laughs> hey, I was networking the entire night. You were. I may not remember yeah, much of that like, night, I but I, I was I networking. I know it I... doesn't matter how wasted you got. Like, guaranteed, there was <laughs> people there that were way more <laughs> oh. than you could even try to be. Yeah. Well, it's just I so think, funny but, to me. That it's entertaining because you just, you don't drink that much to be right. that you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like two, two, three glasses of wine, and she yeah. is. Just and done. I and I was like toasted. She was even cracking. Oh my me gosh, up. it so. was so funny though. <laughs> so before that though, we 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 were like the high life that yeah. day. Okay, yeah, we had we a sure room. Did. Nora over here got us a room at the casino. Well, and well let's talk Motor about Motor City, right? Yes, well, Motor, we Motor City. Yeah. yeah. So we had we had our show, which we had Liz Reed. Who was phenomenal? Yeah, she was so and she brought food. Yeah, she did. Oh my god, that food was so, so good. good. But so anyway, so <laughs> it was our first show back. Yep, and then we had like a four-hour, five-hour window like that we hours. were going to work on the nooner show. Yeah, regroup, rebrand, For the new year, reset to all those good things. <laughs> yeah, that we've been talking to all these professionals about. <sighs> yep. And uh, so Nora here gets we, us a room we go at, to lunch, at yeah. the casino, at the Motor City Casino, which was just fabulous that she let us crash there. And um, <clears throat> we go play $20. That's all we were supposed to do. Rocky That's and I all go, she was supposed to do. Yeah, Rocky and I go back to the room. She played $20. You lost your first 20 right? Yeah, yes. she lost Yeah, it. okay. Mm-hmm. So then Nora starts playing. All right, so yeah. then I, I just wanted to play like a dollar. I was like, yeah. I don't gamble. This <laughs> stuff know. gives me anxiety. Either, so. And so I was like, all right, I just want to go to like the penny machine or yeah. wherever that is. Yeah. So then we find a nickel machine, which I'm right. like, all right, it's not a penny, but it's a nickel. It's <laughs> a few more cents. Yeah. My brother would be so proud of me, by the way. Right, He's right. the finance guy in the house, and yeah. I'm the big spender of money I don't own. How many nickels did you play? Yeah, so I played a dollar. And she's like, give me a dollar. You know, and I'm like, all right, whatever you win, you got to give me half. So I give her a dollar. She loses it. Give her five dollars. And then she wins. So she got, we. what did we win? 60 bucks? Yep. So then I was like, all right, we're done. Cash that out. But she I'm thought not... she won 900. I thought oh, yeah, I we won did, 900. We did, we did think, I was like, it there keeps was going. Nine, it keeps going. And the people around us are rolling their eyes. We didn't realize it was nickels. And so yeah. it sounded like, I mean, I really thought, wow. This, I thought 60 we, bucks so for our first time was good. It was good. I yeah. was proud but of that. See, that when you gamble, that's how you get hooked. Oh. Well, okay, oh, yeah. So, so she part was. two of the story, we go up to the room. It's not true. And we said Don't to believe Nora, her. all right, we're going up to the room. We're going to start our <laughs> meeting. So she's like, yep, I'll be up there I'm in like, five yep, minutes, I'm 10 coming. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> four hours later, no Nora. I'm texting her it going, was not four what hours, are you guys? Four hours. <laughs> You didn't come up until it was, we had to it walk was probably out the door two to go to two the, hours. Well, to the after, look, after the second hour, I was like, "Oh, screw it!" So yeah, <laughs> while we're know. sitting there working on but the nooner show, no, she wasn't working lie. on we anything. Were, that's a bullface. Yeah. I got ready, so yeah. that's a lie. She was up there laying, kicking back. That's know. true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, it, was, it was a fabulous room, wasn't it? Jack? It was. Mm-hmm. We, we had, had a great view. Oh my god! Literally saying the same thing. Yeah, we had a great view. So much fun. And then I felt like a high roller. I know I did too. I was like, ooh, we yeah, got a room here. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then we go to the shipping yard, which, which is if so you, cool. If you want a really cool place to go to in Detroit and you have not been to the shipping yeah, yard. Yeah. The Detroit Shipping to, Company is just is that amazing. What it's called? Yeah. The Detroit shipping, shipping, shipping Company is. is just fantastic. How cool. And, yeah. And they have a podcast studio. So, Podcast Detroit has a studio there. Right. And right. I, I think we might do a couple couple of our things there once in a while. Right. Our shows from there because it's just such a cool environment. Yeah. And just to be there in the city and, 
It's so the fun. so the building is made out of shipping, shipping containers. containers. Yep. Yes. Which is so so, so cool. So yeah. we did get to meet the owner. Yep. We became BFF. Do you know who this yeah. is? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I know he's I I overstayed my visit. <laughs> I got that. And well you know probably not invited back. <laughs> I can't stand people like that. The first ones there and the last ones to leave. I know. I did exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and you know what? I made her late. I I purposely made us late because I was like, we are you not going to show. She's she like, we, we might not get a seat. We need to get there early. I'm like, no, yeah. we are not getting there early. But, but Rocky, before you even I always said come. she said all of that, I already knew. That's why I was taking my little time. Yeah. <laughs> and I did win some money, okay? I know. Yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just funny, though. And then um, when we... Uh, we got when we dropped you off at the hotel, <laughs> which was you hilarious. were like watching Bambi walk for the very first time. It was amazing. <laughs> I, I got out of the car and I was like, "Okay, you gotta walk straight. You gotta walk to the elevator Wednesday to night. get to your room." So I'm walking and and people are coming towards me and I'm like, "Okay, I'm trying to maneuver." Bob and stuff. weave through. Yep. So right, I get up. There's two we people. By the way, I get up to the room. You. though. literally, I almost fell on my face when I walked in the door. I was like, and I start kicking my boots off and stuff. I kicked the boot over by the table. <laughs> so freaking funny. So I lay down on the bed because I'm like, I I gotta lay down. I lay down on the bed and it starts spinning. And I was oh like, gosh. okay, I can't do this. I literally took my drunk a back downstairs and gambled and i sat at a machine and i just like stuck a five dollar and i was just hitting the button and i was looking around <laughs> oh I'm my just hitting the button looking around oh my gosh that's so the funny button. so <laughs> then i got on another machine and i put a twenty dollar bill and i spent it a couple of times and i won 250 there you go wow Look so at you. i right. sobered up a See? little yeah. <laughs> and i went back upstairs well right you know it's funny because she was saying to me she's like oh you know because we always joke that you guys are my my moms uh-huh. you know and um so she was like oh you and your two moms i was like except the only parent there was me i had to make sure you <laughs> guys were true. buckled in everyone got to their rooms that jackie got in their booster seat uh-huh. <laughs> why do you think you got invited yeah i know that's you know, i come to be the we're DD. not gonna drive there's yeah. no way <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's but, too far to walk to the hotel. So yes, uh, it was fun, actually though. I had to sit in the back seat. I didn't make her home sit in the back too. seat. I was she not about to have that, here, which was fine with sitting me. there. <laughs> was fine. Back seat driving in the front seat. And I, I was like, nope, your ass is sitting back there. Like, nope, not today. She's like, Ugh. she's like, you want me to get in the front? She's like, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> I have to tell you, T Money called me the next day. Uh-huh. I was there. Yeah. <laughs> I put him on speaker. Yeah. And what did he say, Rocky? He did say that he loved you <laughs> and he had a blast with us. Uh-huh. So. No, what else did he say? I don't remember. Oh, so you deleted that part I probably because did. this bothered you. He said, I've never seen anybody who network the entire oh. time like you did yeah so i wasn't oh, I didn't didn't wasn't that. all fun yeah you did yeah. a good job i wasn't saying that it was just no, you're you know, rolling your eyes when, oh of course i'm always that. gonna roll my eyes oh and i told I, t i was like t i was like you need to use your meanest voice with her I, was like, tell her. I know he just laughed he goes he's gonna turn around and tell me to edward tony you better you're gonna or she what did he say he was like you better f off <laughs> we were cracking up no remember when we walked around and i took pictures of you yeah were they blurry <laughs> oh no actually i posted your, one of your them. head was cut yeah. off yeah i know she only got okay. you know I was it was a torso photo yeah, you know that's what we were going for so yeah. so no but uh you know what? we got a we have a guest waiting for us yeah. okay we so, do i yeah. just have to do a, a real quick shout out to uh mark Marin from local scream radio oh we love Flint. those guys i love those guys they're so much fun and i know he's listen he listens to the nooner show when he's getting ready for work 
Aw, yes. well, hi, hi, Mark. Mark. We miss hey, you. Mark. Miss I you. Seen you in a and minute. actually, well, we're going to try and um, get those guys in. Oh my like, gosh, the how first, fun would that be? Yeah, but we're mm. going to have to pre-tape them because they can't come in during the yeah. day. Uh, but they have a big event coming up, their two-year anniversary of doing oh. their podcast oh, show on cool. March 9th at well, the Hitch and Post anniversary coming up? in Lapeer. Yeah, well, we it's had in August. Yeah, it oh. is in August. Yep. Oh yeah, we'll have yeah, to so see congratula- uh, congratulations, local scream. Yes, local scream radio. Love those guys, and um, we're going to go hang out with them March ninth and support them. And excellent. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Cool. So anyway, Anywho. now we're going to get some. Uh, we're going to get into some deep discussion. Yep. Again, this is all about mindset and transforming your life so that this year can be better than last year. Yep. That's the goal. This segment is designed to showcase the stories of talented individuals who had a wish and found a way to make it happen. They set goals, overcame obstacles, and turned setbacks into comebacks. Their stories are unique, interesting, and most of all, inspiring. Guys, so this month we are changing it up just for the month of January. So um, every every month, you know, we have, or every day and on Nooner Show, we have an interview of someone who's, as Nora said, doing um, incredible things. So this month, we decided instead of New Year's resolutions, we wanted to bring on professionals um, to talk about how to really make um, changes versus just your New Year's resolution. So today we have on um, a doctor um, in psychology who is going to be here to talk about mental health. So um, I just have a few little things here. So according to the National Alliance of Mental Illness, in 2018, approximately one One in every five adults suffer from a mental illness in the United States. That's 43.8 million people who struggled with depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety, and more. How do we know if what we're struggling with is a mental illness? And if we are suffering with a mental illness, what are the treatment plans like and how can we stay ahead of it in 2019? Here to answer all of these questions is Dr. Zachary Thieneman. Dr. Zachary Thieneman is a practicing psychologist in Louisville, Kentucky, where he is an assistant director for group works and a clinical supervisor behavioral specialist for home place support services. After completing his doctorate, his work now focuses primarily on children, adolescents, families, mindfulness, individuals with autism, and groups as he's also a certified group psychotherapist. Joining us today is Dr. Thieneman. Thank you for for being with us. Welcome to the Nooner Show. It's Jackie and Nora, Rocky and uh, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today. Oh, thank you for joining us. Um, so he's calling in from Louisville, Kentucky. So, (laughs) um, so Mm -hmm. explain to us exactly what you do. Uh, oh, I I actually have a couple jobs. So I work uh, prominently at a private practice called GroupWorks. And I serve a lot of different client populations. So I have kids groups. Uh, so I have a six to eight year old group. Wow. I also have a middle school boys group. I have a teen group. Um, and up until recently, I had a young adult group. So I provide different kinds of therapy, including group, family therapy, individual therapy, and supervision of doctor level psychology students at GroupWorks. And at Home Place, I provide in-home therapy. It's mostly for people on the autism spectrum, but we are also branching out to provide a higher level of care for people who are transitioning back from residential programs or who need a little bit more care than a traditional outpatient psychotherapy setting. So going into people's houses and providing a high level of care, including wraparound treatment and also supervision of doctoral level psychology students. Wow. So what made you decide to go into psychology as a field? Uh, 
That is a great question. And I, I thought a lot about that because I, I kind of reflect sometimes and I think, well, how did I get to this point? And uh, have you all seen Moana? Yes. Love mm-hmm. Moana. <laughs> yeah. Love Moana. It's, yeah. just, it's just a great film. And when I, when I watched Moana, there was a moment in the movie where I, it really kind of, it kind of felt like it clicked for me. And it was, it was when the, the, the song, uh, Where You Are, one of the songs earlier in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the quotes from the movie is from the, uh, is, is from the, the grandmother and was like, where once, once the paths, it, I don't think, what is it? it? Every path leads you back to where you are. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't somebody, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up as, as a child and think, okay, yeah, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to, you know, work in clinical psychology. That wasn't really, you know, in the game plan. Uh, I wanted to be an astronaut or, uh, you know, an actor, those, those sorts of things as a child. And as, as I moved along uh, into my career, I, I paid attention to what I was, what I was enjoying when I was, particularly when I was in college. So I kind of had to make educated guesses along the way that it was, it was pretty stepwise. It wasn't some glamorous tale, but as I started in college, I really liked psychology. It was fascinating. And as a kid, service and serving people was always ingrained into me as a value. It's a value that's important to my family and both my parents. And helping others seemed like a kind of my first guess of where I would like to go. So when I got into college, I paid attention to the classes that I was enjoying. And I really picked up psychology. And I started to enjoy it a lot. So my next guess was, okay, what do I do? What can I do with a psychology degree that also helps others? So after deciding between a couple of different branches of psychology, I chose clinical psychology. And also a part of me is wanting to be my own boss and to be independent and to kind of work in smaller agencies and to be on the ground working with people directly. So that's kind of how I got into it. I took these educated guesses along the way and I ended up here where I am, and I'm I'm very pleased with uh, the work that I'm doing now and the places in which I'm looking. I've been able to really realize some of those some of those uh, wishes for me. So to be independent and to also be doing a lot of direct practice with people and serving others. Wow, that's incredible. Um, so I have a question: When you're dealing with clients and um, when they have these, you know, they come to you with these issues, what is the issue that you see the most um, that people are suffering from and um, that they come to you for? Uh, People, I I, I do see a variety of different clients for sure. The one thing that I've seen the most increase of uh, is anxiety, which is commensurate with some of the, the data across across the world. Um, and and then from the CDC, like the anxiety disorders have increased in children uh, in the past, maybe 10, 15 years. Wow. And so, cause I have, so I, you know, we spoke on the phone and, you know, I've, I've have a problem with depression forever and, you know, I've Mm -hmm. sought different treatments, different doctors until I found, you know, a doctor that I really liked and, um, came up with a plan that, 
in my most unprofessional opinion, seemed the best. <laughs> um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my friends always say to me, like, I'll have friends that call me and say, uh, do you feel like this? Or do you ever feel like that when you're, you know, going through whatever it is that you're, you know, when you're depressed or, and I'm like, yeah, I feel like that all the time. And, you know, and I, how do people kind of like self-diagnose, I guess? Because I think for me, the hardest thing was when I was first realizing what I was feeling was depression. I felt crazy. I felt dramatic. You know, I felt like what I was going through wasn't mm-hmm. real. And, you know, I was just, you know, whatever, you know, no one else was going through this the way I was. And it was, you know, I felt really, and that made me feel even more alienated than I already did. So how do you, as a sure. person, like say, okay, okay, I'm feeling like this, I'm feeling like that, I'm feeling like this, I probably have a problem with depression, or this is probably anxiety, and I should get help. Well, and and I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but like, how do you know that the question you're asking compared to that it's not just like situational where it's, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I think we all go through seasons of depression, anxiety, you know, certain moments, but Mm -hmm. how do you know when it's more than that? And you might need medication. Yeah. yeah. That type of thing. Right. Great question. And I think the first part for uh, of my answer leads to uh, the way you talked about it, Rocky, which is being so open about it. Mm-hmm. First, being able to recognize that you're having those feelings and that they are becoming a problem is a really big first step that can be missed. Mm-hmm. The, the average onset from people realizing that they have symptoms and getting professional help is eight to 10 years. Wow. That is a long time. Yeah, that is a long time. Oh my goodness. And you think a lot of that too. Oh, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, Zach, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you're fine. You're good. No, no, go ahead. Okay. um, Yeah. So being open about it and talking about it helps normalize it amongst your family and friends so that if things they're able to notice things as well and say, yeah, I, I do see that things are different and that you seem to be feeling down or you seem to be having trouble at work um, or at school, whatever that may be. And if you have an open dialogue with some of your close friends and family, then it normalizes the ability to talk about it so that you can access help sooner. It's hard to know when, because mental health can be tricky because people, the most common forms of mental uh, mental health and mental issues are related to depression and anxiety. And those are feelings that people feel uh, throughout their lifetime in different degrees. So when it becomes an issue that becomes clinical is a different story. And then that's, that's one of the challenging pieces of mental health is knowing for yourself when it's becoming so much of a problem. And when we think about it in psychology, we think about how it impacts your uh, day-to-day life and how it impacts your feelings in general. So is it causing you a lot of distress? And also, is it interfering with your ability to do your normal day-to-day activities in life? So what and are those s- are two of the biggest, biggest markers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the biggest symptoms of anxiety? Anxiety is, imagine what you feel like when, you, when you're nervous. Mm-hmm. So think about that, that racing heart and those sweaty palms your heart beating through your chest, feeling like you have butterflies in your stomach, those sorts of things. So for somebody with anxiety, they might be experiencing those all the time. Wow. Or they might be experiencing those at times where it it doesn't feel like it would be 
appropriate or merited, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you have those types of things in addition to symptoms like worries and frequent worries about uh, what's going to happen next and uh, like worries that don't seem to match the reality of what's likely to happen because worries are just that they are irrational in nature. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a, um, a, a child I worked with some years ago and he was, uh, he's in elementary school and he was able to verbalize that he's having a lot of trouble at school. And he was able to verbalize that he was anxious because if he didn't get good grades, he would not get into the middle school that he wanted. Uh-huh. And if he didn't get into the middle school that he wanted, he wouldn't get into the high school that he wanted. If he didn't get into the high school that he wanted, he wouldn't get into the college that he wanted. Oh and if he gosh. didn't get into that college, then he would not be able to achieve his career goals. Wow. Jeez, um, as a kid, that's crazy. As a parent, how can you, you know, assess if your child is suffering from anxiety or depression? Like, you know, when they can't verbalize or don't, you know, know how to verbalize, like what are the the signs for a parent to say, okay, I think my child is suffering from depression or anxiety that maybe aren't verbalized? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a great question. And th- the first thing I would say is to make sure if there's any question whatsoever, then go and meet a, a psychologist, psychotherapist, uh, clinical social worker, um, as, you know, psychiatrist, pediatrician, anybody that you have that is already that, that knows the child mm-hmm. and can help you figure out which way to go. Um, is if there's any thought whatsoever, it's best to say, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I want to double check. Mm-hmm. So seeking out professional help is always a great, is a great first step. And for parents, it's just like with, a, with adults, paying attention to how things are different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know about everybody's experiences with mental health is different. So even if all of us had and dealt with depression, it would look different for each one of us. Yeah. Well, I, um, Rocky and I talked about last week, we were talking mm-hmm. about how do you go about finding a counselor? Because her experience with her first counselor mm-hmm. was kind of like my experience with my first yeah. counselor. And it wasn't a good experience. No. So I, yeah. how do you, um, well, with me, I, I just felt in, in my heart that it wasn't, it wasn't a good fit. But if you're mm-hmm. having um, um, an issue and it might be worse than what my issue was and you and you're not able to figure it out that the person mm-hmm. is not the right person for you. So how would you well, I guess I couldn't say how would you go about finding out if it's the right counselor? But is there some checkpoints or anything that you can kind of tell us that you can go about trying to to try to find out if you have the right person? Absolutely. And what a great question. It's one of the things that's not really talked about in therapy at all, but the idea of therapy being a relationship and that if you're going to have a relationship with somebody, then it needs to be somebody that you kind of jive with and get along Mm -hmm. with. If you don't have that, then the relationship itself is not going to be as effective and neither will therapy. Mm -hmm. So I always encourage people to ask around, talk, talk to people, talk to professionals and see if you can get a number of recommendations. And also the internet is a, is a great tool as a starting point and also pay attention to how it feels when you're in the room with somebody. Mm-hmm. So are you comfortable? Do you feel like you are comfortable even in the, the intake sharing some information about yourself? Do you feel like this person is understanding and meeting some of your emotional needs in that moment as well? Um, how does it feel in the room with them? 
if you're paying attention to those things, then it can lead to a great fit. And at the same time, it's not always obvious when it's not a great fit. And there's some trial and error involved in finding the right clinician for you. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a point that's pretty often missed because it's not talked about, that not everybody is going to be the best fit for everybody else. Mm-hmm. How do you go about, you know, there's um, society always puts a stigma on mm-hmm. counseling mm-hmm. and going to a questions. therapist. And, you know, how do you go about, you know, making that person feel comfortable, too, when they I mean, because most of the time, especially with kids, because you work with kids a lot. I, I was hearing that, um, you know, mm-hmm. when the parents bring them and they're like, oh, I'm not going in there. I don't want to I don't want anybody to know that I'm coming and you know they're going to think I'm crazy that type of thing and with adults too so how do you go about um making them feel comfortable to come in and talk Mm -hmm. to you absolutely I I love shows like this because just by talking about it and being open Mm -hmm. it helps reduce the stigma and that is such an important piece people if they are ashamed of what they're dealing with and think that they're alone um, or are feeling isolated in their own issues, then yeah, you wouldn't really want to reach out for for help. So I, I, I have those things in mind. Um, and uh, a lot of times before an intake, I, I put myself in the mindset of who's coming in from what I know about that person, because it's got to be anxiety provoking, mm-hmm. right? So if you, if you, for me, if I put myself in those shoes, it helps me get a sense of what they're feeling in that moment and help me meet their emotional needs when I'm, when I'm talking with them. When, when I'm doing an intake and I meet somebody for the first time, I want them to walk away with a couple things. I want them to feel comfortable working with me. And I always ask people at the end of my intakes if they are comfortable working with me because I see therapy as a two-way street. See, and I like that. I've never important. heard a therapist say that. That yeah. they would ask if they are you no, comfortable? I've, not, I've, I've never either. heard that yeah. before. So yeah, I like that. Keep that in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nora's going to come down to Louisville. Down to Louisville. Actually, she does have a gambling problem. Yeah. That's, a, that's a separate. Uh, we'll make an appointment. For Don't that. believe her. Don't believe her. She's, um, she's not telling no, you. I, Zach. I I wanted to ask you. You know, uh, we, one of the things that we've been talking about a lot on the show is this whole uh, quest search for happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of studies about happiness, um, the happiest countries, uh, the happiest workplaces, the word happy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I still don't really understand it because I hear a lot of people say things like, I'm just not happy. happy. And, and what, you think they should be because right. they have every, right, what you right. think is everything. Right. You know, so, so yeah. how do you handle that? Like, what is your definition of happiness? If you, I would imagine you get people that come in and say, I'm not mm-hmm. happy. What does that mean? What do you think people are looking for? I think when people say that they're not happy, it means there's something in their life that is missing, whatever that may be. And if people are really not happy because of this missing piece, then it must be a pretty big piece. Oh, mm. okay. So I don't always know that... It, I'm I'm a big uh, big fan of the webcomic The Oatmeal. Have you ever? Are are you all familiar? No. no. It's this it's this great comic online, and the the, the artist and, and writer of the comic has some really uh, poignant topics. And one of the ones he talks about he, is uh, it's called How to Be Perfectly Unhappy. 
And <laughs> it's, I like it. right. It's, it's a great title. <laughs> and in in the content of the comic, there's this there's this character. He's building this he's building this thing, and somebody asked him, "Well, are you happy doing this?" And he says, "Well, I, I don't know if I'm happy. Maybe maybe I'm not happy while I do this thing." And the context of the article talks about, well, in life, we can't be happy 24 hours a day. Right. That's an unrealistic expectation. Mm -hmm. And there are other reasons that we do certain activities in our life. I don't always like running, Mm -hmm. but I, but I do it to maintain my health. I never like running. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Have you ever, have you ever had somebody that, um, uh, that you just felt like you, you really couldn't help or you really, have you ever felt helpless? Let's put it like that with a, with a client. Oh yeah. I felt helpless because I know that there are people a lot of times they're coming into my office or I'm coming into their home and that's a small chunk of their week. It's mm-hmm. an hour a week or, you know, at most it's three or four hours a week. So if they're in context, which I see are not healthy or they're in situations that are um, in some ways inescapable without huge changes. That always weighs heavy on my heart. Um, that is one of the hardest parts of, of this job mm-hmm. is, is seeing people who are in really need of help and not being able to snap your fingers and wish them to be in that position that you hope that they will eventually achieve. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. How do you yeah, as a therapist cope with that in your own mental health. Right. Good question. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, just like I encourage all my clients to do, I have to have pretty healthy coping skills. Mm-hmm. So I have to, I, I have to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. And a lot of that I learned, I learned during my graduate degree and through clinical supervision. So it was, it was helpful to be able to find my own coping tools. So I, you know, I deal with things myself. I exercise a lot. Um, I spend a lot of time uh, with my partner, um, who is very caring. And I also, you know, spend time with my family and friends and do the activities which give me light in my life. Mm -hmm. So so keeping those connections, social connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that's really kind of what we all crave, isn't it? Absolutely. Humans are are social beings. Right. So... Mm -hmm. For some of these um, mental illnesses like depression, and we can kind of go through these a little more one by one, but um, the main mm-hmm. mental health issues, um, what we'll start with anxiety because you said that's what you saw most of last year. Um, what are the mm-hmm. treatment plans like? And I know they're, you know, you are, you tailor them to each client, but um, what are the treatment plans like? If somebody ha- is suffering from anxiety, they can kind of get a heads up and expect in their therapy. Absolutely. Uh, and, and it definitely depends on the clinician themselves. There's so much variety of psychological theory and how people choose to operate that overlaps with lots of issues, including development. So the things I'm going to do with a child might be very, very different than the things I might do with an adult. Yeah. Um, so it, it depends on you know where people are at, how severe that anxiety is, what kind of anxiety it is, for example. So a lot of the gold standard in terms of treatment and treatment research uh, stems from cognitive behavioral therapy. It's not the only branch of therapy, but it's a more commonly practiced branch because the definitions within cognitive behavioral therapy have been 
researched heavily. So if somebody's coming in for cognitive behavioral therapy, then likely they're going to be looking at some of their thought patterns and how their thought patterns uh, lead into some of their anxiety and how they can modify some of their thoughts um, and their behaviors in order to to um, make make sure the anxiety isn't in control, but that they're in control of their anxiety. Okay. Mm. And I, how do you track someone's like? How do people track their thought patterns? Because I'm I'm relating this to like the the health field where it's like, okay, we want you to track your eating, and then right. they come in, they're like, I'm not losing weight, and I look at their logs, and I'm like, well. I'm sure this is not what you ate. So what did you okay, really you eat? Don't need you don't need to start talk, talking about my, my weight problems here, Rocky. But, now she's talking about my food loss. I didn't say your name directly. Yeah. But, uh, make it obvious. You know, right. so, but, you know, because I think everyone, I mean, I don't know. And maybe I'm totally off by this, but I think That's people like point. to think they're positive and they like to right. think that they're right. not yeah. causing it themselves. Right. You know, like, a, you know, we see it in food all the time. Oh, I, I only had a two fries mm-hmm. from McDonald's and she's and I had four as Jackie's four. looking at me you know and so a they small, it was a small, it yeah. was a small. <laughs> so how do people how can people accurately and honestly track their their thought patterns That's you know really is it good. keeping a diary a bullet journal or or what what do you suggest mm. and recommend absolutely and that's part of the crux of therapy it's interesting because People, we don't always realize our relationship to our thoughts and how they impact mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. And just like, um, so you had mentioned eating. I'm, I'm doing Whole30 right now. And until Do <laughs> doing Whole30, I didn't really pay attention to my relationship with food as much. Yeah. It just was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's same thing with thoughts. If you're not paying attention to them, they're happening all the time. We're always having a running inner, inner dialogue with mm-hmm. ourselves. So we have to be, we have to train ourselves to think in that way and to, and to think uh, kind of metacognitively. So we're paying attention to our own thought processes, which usually involves writing them down, um, bringing them to light. So in sessions with people, I might ask them what they're thinking and feeling right in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, if I notice that they look like they're feeling anxious or angry or sad or whatever that emotion might be and bring to light some of those thought processes and also encourage people to track them when they're at home. So like you notice that you were feeling a lot of times it comes after a feeling. So people notice it sooner after they have that feeling and they're like, Oh, what's, what's going on? And they start to pay attention. And the more you routinely pay attention to that relationship, then the more you become aware of it. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, So with depression, um, are there, Mm -hmm. so for people, you know, we talked a little bit about situational depression versus, um, you know, chemical imbalances uh, last week on our show. And um, so, but for people who even have a chemical imbalance, are there triggers that set off that depression or is it something that is just routine almost that it just, you have no control over it? Uh, it can be both. I mean, part of what you're asking is this, is this uh, age old philosophical debate of whether it's nature versus nurture. Oh, okay. Oh. So whether this is somebody born with something that they mm-hmm. inherently are going to express across their lifetime, or is there something that happens within their life that then triggers that? Mm-hmm. And for, for most everything, the answer is a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. So everybody brings their own genetic makeup to the table and they are predisposed for certain things. Okay. So my family uh, we have some issues with depression and anxiety and ADHD. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that that 
are what I'm predisposed to. And I've dealt with depression and anxiety myself throughout my lifetime, um, particularly depression. And it happens most clearly during times of stress. Mm -hmm. Stress makes everything worse. Mm, So a lot of times they, they can serve as trigger points to something that was maybe already there um, or maybe was uh, kind of waiting for the right moment. Most of the time, mental, mental illness in general, it comes out before the age of 24. It's like roughly like 75% wow. of all oh, wow. mental illness is present before that age. Wow. wow. Really? Oh, I, I've got mm-hmm. a question. I, I have a son. He's 33. He's going to be 34 this year. And um, he's in a group home. He's uh, borderline schizophrenic and he has a, mm-hmm. like bipolar, just some issues there. But when I was carrying him, he's he's my I have five kids. He's my third. And when I was carrying mm-hmm. him, I went into labor in seven months. And I remember at the hospital, they gave me a drug. Don't remember what it was. This has been years to stop the contractions. And it, it stopped mm-hmm. the contractions, and I carried him to term. And when I had him, um, I brought him home. He was, uh, you know, regular weight and everything, brought him home. And he started um, throwing up the formula. He couldn't keep the formula down. And I mm-hmm. took him to the hospital, and they were like, oh, he has a cold. And they give him, you know, that stuff they give him. And, you know, so that was that. But I, in my heart, I've always felt like, Maybe the drug they gave me had something to do with him being how he is now. Um, do you mm-hmm. have you ever um, been had someone that um, you think their anxiety or whatever they're going through has been caused by by a drug that they were given or can that happen? Do you think that? It's hard to say. There mm-hmm. are a lot of known substances now mm-hmm. and you, that can impact during birth uh, or during pregnancy that can in, impact people's mental health mm-hmm. uh, along the way. I mean, the, the most clear answer, clear answer is uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm-hmm. So somebody that chronically uses alcohol while they're pregnant, uh, their child can deal with fetal alcohol syndrome or they can deal with fetal alcohol, these sort of uh, symptoms or these uh, features. So fetal alcohol features. So the the short answer is yes and no. It's mm-hmm. it's hard to say um, because I, it yeah, is vastly complex right. and it depends on lots of different factors. Okay, Zach, is there a link uh, between um, depression and uh, creative people? Mm. Sort of link between. Hmm. I'm trying to think back towards some of my training and some of the stuff I've read. I have not read anything about a link between. Uh, depression in specifically in creative people. Mm-hmm. I know that um, people who have schizophrenia, there was some research about sort of creative thought related to schizophrenia. And a lot of times there can be, uh, there can be an artistic expression of mental health mm-hmm. um, that can be seen a- across the board. And I think that sometimes people really want to be able to express this part of them, which in a lot of ways isn't shown to others because it feels uh, shameful or it feels um, 
like it shouldn't be there, like there's like it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with with mental health. It's it's a part of what we deal with in life as humans. Right. And so that I think that that creative expression can go along with them. Why is there such a stigma on mental health mm-hmm. and why is it why because I know just with my own you know personal journey I guess we'll call it um, you know when I have my my bouts of depression and even if they're not that bad I don't talk about it you know and then that builds I feel more alienated mm-hmm. because I'm in a mood all the time and you know I know mm-hmm. and it, it's a cycle so then mm-hmm. I have a mental breakdown and then I you know it comes spewing out instead of having small talks along the way, which I know is a better (laughs) way to deal with it. But there is a stigma, you know, if I don't want to burden my family with this, you know, I don't want them to worry. I don't want them to, you know, or my friends, I don't want them to feel like they have to take time out of their busy schedules for this. Like, but when it comes to working out, I have no problem being like, mom, let's go, let's go to the gym. You know, I have no problem to, you know, calling and saying, what are you eating or whatever this is? Like, why is there such a stigma attached to mental health versus physical health. Right. There always, there always has been. And I think it is a, is a multifaceted, complex cultural issue. Mm-hmm. And for, for us in the U.S., we don't like to acknowledge those, those parts of our lives. And I think back to, you know, when, when I was thinking about your question, um, part of my internal monologue with myself was thinking about the concepts of masculinity and in masculine culture, it's a lot of ways um, it can be embarrassing for for men to talk about their feelings mm-hmm. because they are said to be weak or they're that that makes them um, that makes them x, y, and z whatever whatever name you want to there for for being weak and and that's been a piece of hypermasculine and hypermasculine culture. so if we look at stuff like you know who are the who are the macho macho people um, in in culture right now? And I think of like superheroes like Thor. Yeah. Um, there is not a culture of vulnerability. There is a there is a culture of not doing this, you know, this this behavior of talking about your feelings and not recognizing them, even though we all have them. Yeah. So how that came about in the first place, it's hard to say. But we as a culture definitely do have a have a um, we just have this idea that we need to sweep some of those things under the rug, even though that's not really appropriate to do. Yeah. Do, you, do you think that's changing though? With um, especially because you know now uh, people, the news reports people who die by suicide mm-hmm. where they never used to talk about that before. Now it's you know it's it in the news, every day. The yeah, news and the and now it's. You know, it's a lot of celebrities, of uh, um, entertainers um, have opened up about yeah, their issues, right? Exactly. So, do you think that that stigma is going away? Like, do you see any signs of improvement uh, improvement in that area? Yeah, and Jackie, just what you're hitting at, um, some of the the ability for us to talk about it, the fact that you are having a radio show about mental health, like that is a, that is a sign of people being more open about themselves and their own mental health and their willingness to talk about it. So I love, I love it when celebrities are able to uh, use their power and influence Mm -hmm. to talk in a healthy way about how mental illness impacts them. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Wow. Well, and I think, know that they're not alone. Well, and that's the whole thing. I think, you know, Rocky and I actually yesterday we were talking mm-hmm. about imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that, Zach? Mm-hmm. So, and I think things like that, it's just much more common. I mean, all of us at some point in our lives go through these different phases or, um, or, and some people, unfortunately, it's, it stays with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not mm-hmm. uncommon for anybody. I don't, I don't think so. I, like, I'm not embarrassed at all to talk about it. Me yeah. Either. Yeah. And I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I've been extremely open about, you know, my journey and, mm-hmm. Um, I believe. I mean, you you you're gonna help somebody, yeah, right? Exactly. And I think I think what's hard harder for you, Rocky, is like a a lot of people. Well, for example, like looking at Kate Spade or mm-hmm. um, Anthony Bourdain. Bourdain. Yeah. It, it's you mm-hmm. you link their the, lives together. to success, yes. And so it's hard to understand right. how they could be depressed. Right. And I think yeah. that's. Because Part you go to problem. that thing, oh, they had everything. Exactly. Yeah. That's what you think. But success yeah. does not Me. lead happy to happiness. Exactly. Or, I mean, you can right. still be depressed mm-hmm. even if you're successful. And mm-hmm. I think that's probably has to be harder for, for people that do seem to have everything. I think that struggle mm-hmm. has to be harder because other people don't understand. And it's harder to talk about, I right. think, at that exactly. point. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I've had the same problems with myself you know right. i i feel very fortunate and it has nothing to do with how i feel grateful every day in my life for the things that i have right but it's just a feeling that i feel you know and i you can't and, help that feeling one of my favorite mm-hmm. things that happened last year was kanye west's album ye that came out um he has mm-hmm. i um i put it on on our post but um this is not the direct mm-hmm. quote but it says bipolar is my superpower and that was when I read that it was so powerful for me because I feel like because I have dealt with depression forever and anxiety, I do feel more compassionate. I feel more understanding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that if people are suffering from these things, there there is light in, in it. There is good things that do come out of it because I think it makes you more aware of the people around you you know, okay, that guy's being a dick today. It's mm-hmm. fine because he's probably going through something mm-hmm. I don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, or that I don't know what's mm-hmm. going on. I think there brings a level of compassion and understanding that I don't think is, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, and that's not true for everybody. People are like that naturally, but I think it, it brings a level of that to someone's personality when they have gone through well, depression and, and, and even some of the best songwriters, mm-hmm. some of the best songs came out of people who were in a really dark place. Right. Yeah. So so I do have just, we're running out of time here, but um, I just have another couple questions for you. Um, what can mm-hmm. people do to stay ahead of mental health? Um, you know, they know they suffer from depression or, um, you know, they want to stay, you know, I the last week the therapist said at baseline, um, how can they kind of... Um, like, what are things that you can do at home to kind of treat yourself, I guess? Home remedies, natural remedies, I guess, if you want to call it that, for, you know, mental yeah. health issues. Absolutely. And my my first my first response would be, it's okay to feel. Mm-hmm. And Nothing. we don't always think about it that way because we want to try and shove our feelings down because we got to go to that next meeting or because we can't appear like we're anxious or sad when we go places Mm -hmm. or when we go do our day-to-day lives. And if you're honest with yourself and, and are okay with feeling those feelings and recognizing them, 
And that's a great place to start. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, it's, it's when you recognize that, then you can take steps to help yourself. But if you don't know that that's there, then you can't take those steps because you're not paying attention to those feelings that are causing you some of that distress in the first place. So in terms of what, what to do at home, I always encourage people to, when people are feeling the most of their sadness or anxiety or their negative emotions, whatever that may be, or the difficult emotions at that time, I always encourage them to practice the things that they, um, that they know and love. And that can be different based on what they have going on. Um, so with people who struggle with depression, sometimes you don't want to do any of those things. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do those things because it's too hard. Getting out of bed can be challenging some days. Right. So taking steps and being proactive and doing things on your day-to-day that, you, that bring you happiness. So I encourage everybody that I work with to do something that they like every day for at least half an hour. Whatever that may be. And that can change from day to day. Mm -hmm. But they're choosing that and they have that choice to do something that they want to do. It might just be going for a walk because it's nice outside. And that gets you activated if you're feeling depressed. Or it may it may be doing a certain routine before you go to this big event that you're feeling anxious about. Um, whatever that is, whatever those individual skills that everybody has to deal with their own mental health issues, use, use them to cope, be proactive about it rather than reactive. Mm, that's good. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I like Me that too. too. Well, Zach, we are going to wrap up here. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, I know you have appointments and in, in your busy schedule. So thank <laughs> you for taking the time thank to you, talk to mental, talk mental health with us and we can um, use this show and the tips and, uh, that you taught us today um, to kind of stay ahead of it in 2019. Right. So thank you so yeah, much. Thank Zach. You. Um, and listen, um, how can people get a hold of you or uh, you know people at your office? If uh, what's the website or um, yeah, how can um, so the website the website that's attached to the link on your Facebook page, mm-hmm. which is the com that um, has actually has a link to contact me directly. So if you go to um, some of the, the staff who work at group works um, and you can click on, click on me and ask a question. Excellent. And okay. do you do um, like Skype um, th- sessions or phone sessions? Um, it, it gets pretty complicated pretty quickly uh, because for most States you have to be licensed in the state where oh, the person is. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so I do not do therapy across state lines through uh, through Skype sessions. I will for you know some of my college students in town or who are going off into Kentucky. Um, those types those types of sessions. Um, but I, I also do consultation and you know speaking and stuff like that um, about uh, some of the issues that I specialize in, like mindfulness and autism and mental health. Wow. fantastic! Well, thank, thank you, you for so for taking the time today and. Um, all the advice we got today yeah. too and insight. <laughs> and insight yes um we really appreciate well, thank it thank you and uh thank you yeah. all so much it's been great talking to you all you too <laughs> thank well, you and remember sometimes the only mode of transportation available is a leap of faith thanks for taking a leap of faith and that was dr <laughs> dr zach Thieneman on the show today thank you zach thanks zach thank you all have a nice day you, you too. too bye-bye bye-bye